great stuff. And uh, I'm thrilled to have friends that I've known for many, many years, but friends who will come and, and help me be a man of God, will help me be a great leader, right? He didn't pull any punches this week. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I got some smarts that's going on right now that I'll have to recover from. But see, I think that's what God does when he puts people together who really love each other. That's what we're trying to do at One Chapel. You all need friends who will speak the truth to you in love. And that's what Chris does for me. That's what he's done for years. And uh, I appreciate him. He, he planted a, a little church with 34 people in 2001, and he called it Church of the Highlands. And it was an incredible expression of faith. And as he expressed that faith and that little team started to grow and to reach uh, the people of Birmingham, Alabama, that church started to grow. That church started to reach out. And today there's almost 40,000 people that worship together on any given Sunday in 14 campuses across the state. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Uh, I know, I've known Chris a long time. It's a miracle. <laughs> it, it, and, and what God has done in his life is incredible. And I, I really want you to open your heart. I want you to open your life to his life. I want you to, to get not just his words, but his heartbeat. All right? And so would you do that this morning and give a huge welcome to Pastor Chris Hodges. Come on, give Jesus the better hand clap, everybody. Come on, that's pretty good. Now give Jesus what he deserves. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, what a joy it is to be here um, at One Chapel. Man, uh, my first time, but I pray for you every single day of my life, you know, as because uh, Ross has included me in, uh, in, in, your, in your family, you know, so you got to kind of accept me. I'm in the family already, and it's good to see y'all, and it is a miracle. Everything, everything that God's done in my life, I'm sure it's true of your own life, is nothing short of a miracle, and I'm, great, I'm grateful to God. And um, I, I, there's, seriously, uh, I've been doing ministry 33 years now, and, and there's, never a, there's really almost never a day that I don't just marvel at what God has done, and I'm grateful. I know who I am, and, I, and, it, and, and God's done way beyond that, and I'm just grateful to God. Plus, I, you know, I'm from South, I'm, my church is in Birmingham, Alabama, but I'm, I'm a Cajun from South Louisiana, everybody. And uh, see, that should make you praise God even more, because I mean, it really is a miracle. And, you know, you know we Louisianans, we're 50th on every list there is. Y'all know that, right? And so... And then, and so anyway, we're your crazy cousins out to the east. And so anyway, but uh, I'm I'm happy to be here. It's it's awesome. In fact, my my my, my little Cajun take on the election is, uh, is that uh, this whole thing's been like uh, Trump and Hillary are like two divorced parents fighting over custody of America, and we've all decided we just want to go live with Grandma. That's what we want to do anyway. So that's that's mine. All right. So <laughs> that's funny. I don't care what y'all say. All right. <laughs> So I am traveling with my wife of 30 years, Tammy, and uh, we are been married 30 years. We have five kids, and uh, and I do know that's a lot, by the way. And people always kind of get a little bit of reaction when I say five. I think I don't know where we crossed the line, but we've definitely crossed it. And um, but I do know it's a lot. But I tell people I don't have five kids because I like kids because I don't. Um, I like kids because I like my wife. Come on, somebody. So you ought to bring me back for that series. That's a good one. I, 
I got stuff to say. So anyway, um, um, I, I do want to, before I get into God's word today, I want to say how much I absolutely treasure and appreciate my, my relationship with your pastor. I, I, I think he and Amy are two of the finest people on the planet. And I don't even know if you know. Yeah, come, come on, go ahead. And, it won't hurt his feelings. Come on, it won't hurt his feelings. Yeah, show a little love. <laughs> and uh, I've known them. I, I, I've watched them. I, I've seen, you know, I've seen God do so many great things uh, in and through his life. And honestly, I can just say this with absolute confidence, and that is the best is yet to come. Let me just tell you that. Uh, God has blessed you with not an ordinary leader. Uh, he's ex- extremely gifted, and the team that is being assembled around him, uh, I feel the same. I've known most of them for 25 years or more, and um, I'm, I'm, I just am grateful for what God's doing here, and you guys ain't seen nothing yet, all right? So I'll get you all the translation of that later. All right, Romans chapter 14 is where we're going to begin. Uh, Romans 14, and I've got a really simple message that I'm currently teaching at our church, so this is real fresh. Um, and it's honestly, it's become the filter for how I'm living my life. Uh, I want to I talk to you today about, about what, what it all kind of looks like when we get to heaven, which is actually closer than most of us think. That this thing here on life that a lot of us tend to, I think, over-enjoy or over-estimate uh, uh, is really very short in the light of the vast amount of time you're going to spend in eternity. And in my, my mind, I mean, I'm, I'm not really a prophet or I don't see the scriptures through that lens or anything, but uh, I do think as far as I can read it, you know, the Lord could just pretty much come back anytime he wants to as far as the signs of the times being fulfilled. And I think one of the healthiest things that I think a preacher like me does or a pastor does for you is kind of get you ready for a life that's coming. Um, In some ways, we're taking you on a spiritual journey here to prepare you for an ultimate place there. And so Romans chapter 14, uh, the Apostle Paul kind of deals with that when he says, um, so you then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? So in other words, why are you thinking about how somebody else is living their life? Or watch this next line, or why do you treat them with contempt? Why do you not care how they're living their life? Two interesting contrasts there. So why are you, why are you criticizing how they live? And then why aren't you thinking enough about people? Watch this. Because... It says, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So in other words, you're going to have your own day in court one day. As it is written, as, and now the Bible's quoting the Bible, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So there's going to be a moment uh, that you want to get ready for where every knee, every, every person, is, even atheists, other religions, they're, they're going to, there's going to be this moment, and I can't wait hardly to see this moment It'll be both happy and sad at the same time where people go, oh, my goodness, he really was God. Oh, really, he, he, really, is, he really is the Lord. That's, that's going to happen. And then it says it again for emphasis sake. So then each of us is going to give our own account of ourselves to God. So in other words, get ready for that. And so what I want to do today is I want to get you ready for it. I want to I kind of be like that teacher in, 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 in college or in, in school that you wished they would have told you what was on the test before the test. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you've ever had teachers that really, like, prepared you for a test and those that did not. I really wasn't that good in school, and I, you probably already can kind of tell that. <laughs> and so, um, but I, I wasn't the, the smartest knife, knife in the drawer. And in fact, when I, I went to LSU as an accounting major and kind of did all right through the first uh, couple of years. Uh, and, but, I mean, I was a C student kind of on my best day. Um, and really kind of, I worked kind of hard, not really hard, but I worked kind of hard uh, to get those C's, praise God for that. And so, um, 
and, and I actually have one of my kids is really, really smart. Uh, my oldest, I've, I have a daughter than four boys, and my oldest son, um, his name's Michael, um, he like made a 33 on his ACT. He, had, he, he got a full ride academic scholarship to Alabama, did his undergrad and grad school, got an MBA in five years, undergrad and grad. So he's just like, he's genius. And I, we were all in the kitchen the day he got his final report card from, from high school. And he goes, look at there, dad, look, look, all A's again. He goes, I never made a B in my life. I said, that ain't nothing. I never made a B in my life either. So just hush. <laughs> Get on out of here. I ain't got to listen to that junk. So anyway, he's just really smart. And, uh, <laughs> and I was not that guy. Um, but I was really struggling because I honestly, here's the truth. I, th- I really thought I knew the material. Like I really thought I knew the material, but I wasn't testing well. And I really hated those multiple choice things. You know, the little pill in the bubble thing, you know, the ABC. Because A always look good, and then mm, B, you so fine. You know what I'm saying? And, and then none of the above. You know, like I can't decide. So, and they'll always get it wrong. And, uh, and, and, and so, but somebody told me in between my sophomore and junior year at LSU that some of the professors would put their old tests on file for purchase in the, at the LSU bookstore. Like, what? Like, yeah, you can go study how they test. Because that's the hard, to me, that was the hardest part. It wasn't learning the material. It's, no, it's knowing how they're going to ask it. And so I'm like, my God, nobody told me that. You know, so I bought every test, professors I didn't even have. You know, like, get them all, you know. And, and I would not only study the material, but I would study how they're going to test me on the material. And honestly, I finished my junior and senior year with a 4.0. So, like, I turned the whole thing around just because I was testing better. Come on, y'all. This is really, yeah. So, I just helped y'all a lot just for school right there, okay? So, go, go, find, go find those old tests or look in trash bins. No, don't do that. Um, but, but I do want to do my job today, and I really do feel like, in all seriousness, I have a responsibility uh, that one of the jobs I think pastors have to do is prepare you for the fact that you are going to stand before God. And that, so like, you're not even going to give an account of your own life, but I think in some ways I will give an account of your life too, because I was supposed to prepare you. So I was supposed to tell you what was going to happen there. So I'm going to give you a beautiful gift today. And I'm going to tell you uh, not only the questions on the test, but I'm going to give you the answers as well. And what a lot of Christians don't know is there's not just one. Some people just think there's one and it's all about Jesus and the cross. And no, that's, that is one, but that's, but there's actually two. And they're quite different and they're, they're, our responses to them are quite different. And I just want to make sure uh, you know what these are. The first one is the one that you probably already think is the only one, or if, if you've never heard this before. And, and, and this one in theology is called the great white throne judgment. I call it the everybody judgment. So like everybody shows up at, at this one. And, and it's, the, it's the day where it determines, now listen closely, this determines uh, not, it, 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 it determines uh, whether you enter into heaven or, or into hell. Like it's a judgment, a question that gets asked, and, and I don't know exactly what the question is going to be, but, it, no, but, but undeniably the content of what I'm going to tell you uh, is, is, very, is very clear. And it's going to be something along the lines of where God, and I don't know if it's like one at a time, can I eat Chris Hodges, please? You know, like, and I come up, and, and it, but, it, but, he, um, but he'll say something along the lines of um, I, uh, you committed sin, and the payment of that sin means you have to die for it. That's the only payment. You can't be sorry for it. You can't ask forgiveness for it. You can't do good works for it. You can't get baptized for it. You can't go to church for it. Uh, that, that sin had to be paid for with blood, with death. And I didn't want you to die, so I sent a replacement for you to die in your place, my son Jesus. Hey, what did you do with that offer? What, what, what did you do with my son Jesus? And some of the wrong answers, just so you'll know, because these are actually in the Bible, some of the wrong answers are going to be answers like, 
well, I went to church and sang about that, your son Jesus, and that's a good thing to do, but it's the wrong answer. Or I had a book, and I, from time to time, read about your son, and that's a great thing to do, but it's the wrong answer. In fact, Jesus says, um, it's, and, and I don't have this on the screen for you, but it's actually the verse that I came to Christ on, uh, because I grew up in church. I've never missed a Sunday in church in my life, and that's to date. I'm, I'm 53, and I've never missed a Sunday in church in my life. Um, my dad wouldn't let us. And so, uh, anyway... <laughs> If you was throwing up, he'd say, get a bag. You can throw up at church. And so anyway, so that's, that's kind of how we grew up. And um, I thought I was a Christian because I went to church. And, um, and when I f- first attended a service like this, I'd never seen dynamic, heartfelt, sincere worship before in my life in the church I grew up in. And when I saw it, it convicted me. And I kind of thought it was a cult all the same time. Like, what are them people doing? You know, and so, so I knew enough of my Bible, thank God, to go figure it out on my own. And I went home. And, um, and just started reading the Bible. Or just, in fact, I wasn't even going to read the Bible. I was just going to re- read the words of Jesus only. So I, I, I had a red letter edition of the Bible where the words of Jesus were in red. And I just read the red. And so um, and I found just in a few pages in where Jesus says that not everybody who calls me Lord is going to go to heaven. Well, that's a problem because that was my plan. You know what I'm saying? And so... Um, he says, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then he says, a lot, people are going to show up on Judgment Day, prophesied, cast out devils, and did miracles and still go to hell. <laughs> well, that's a, I don't understand. And then he says, I will tell them, away from me, you're an evildoer because I never knew you. And he was never looking for religion. He was looking for a relationship of which I knew I did not have one. And I got saved in my bedroom after reading that verse. I, I dropped to my knees, threw my arms across my bed and gave my heart to Jesus, and my life's never been the same. And I'm just say, saying to you today that there's going to be this moment in time where every one of us are going to stand before God, and the right answer is going to be somewhere along the lines of, I didn't just sing about him and go to a church about him or have a Bible about him, but I knew him personally. He's looking for this personal relationship, this, the, like I know him. And he's not looking for your perfection. He's just looking for your sincerity and your heart for him. And when you give him that, he changes your life. And that comes free. You don't have to pay for it. You can't work for it. There's nothing you can do for it. He just offers that to you freely. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It is a free gift of God. It's called grace. He looks past all the things you've done and said, I will do this for you. And the way I like to say it is hell's not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell's just a place where people pay for their own sins if they want to. But don't. (laughs) You don't have to. They've been paid for. He gave his life. We give our lives back to him. Amen, everybody? You got that? That's, that's that first question. Now, that's not really the question I wanted to talk about, but that's a great message all by itself. But then there, what people don't realize is there is a second question. And that first one is all free. It's all what Jesus did. There's nothing you can do to earn it. He just wants to offer that to you so you can come into heaven without, again, having to do any work to, to, to attain it. But there is a second judgment, and in theology, they call it the judgment seat of Christ or the bema. And, and that judgment is a works judgment. Like this one's all about how you live your life and what you did and did not do. And that's why if you ever read your Bible, sometimes it can be confusing because you get all this grace and it's free and everything's Jesus. And then you get all this other verses that talk about, but no, how you live matters. And man, do stuff for people and your works work. And like, my goodness, I thought it was grace. And then there's these works verses. That's because there's two different things. And this one does not determine your eternal ex- uh, existence or your place. It just determines what your eternity is going to look like. It's a reward judgment. And, 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 and basically the question somewhere, again, I don't know exactly how to be asked, 
But this is the one I can't wait to give you because it redefines how you live your life in every way. And that is that church, I, I, I blessed you with one of the greatest pastors in, 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 the, in the world. And I, and I gave you a beautiful city, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And of all the people on the planet, I let you live in America. And then I get let you live in 2016 with technology and opportunity and a chance to look into a camera and say hello to Lake Travis, who's watching right now. God bless you guys. I mean, there are generations who could have never done that like we'd have had to physically glow. In fact, we would have had to walk, you know, and now we get to... Like I gave you, I blessed you in a great way. And then the question somewhere along the lines of, what did you do with all that? What did you do with that? What, what did you do with your life? And, 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 the, and the, why, the reason why the question matters is, is because how you live your life, it, like it really matters. Like your whole life before Jesus is about that first question, just finding Jesus, finding a real relationship, finding something sincere and real. But once you find that relationship, your whole life gets redefined to this second judgment, this second thing, so that you can live your life in such a way where your life makes a difference in the lives of other people. And we're talking about right, that right now at our church. In fact, I always focus our church toward the end of the year on not just us and how we're developing as believers, but what can we do to touch the world around us? Because it is, it's not only the mandate on the church, it's the privilege of the church. It's this, man, I, 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 we get to, can, amen, everybody, we get to do this. We get to live our lives in such a way where our lives matter. And not only that, but God has already hardwired you. Check this out now. God's already hardwired you that when you live that way, the highest level of fulfillment comes inside of you. Like secular sociologists were figuring this out. They, they, you know, remember the Maslow's hierarchy of needs? If you ever studied that in college or in school? Yeah, the highest one. Maslow first thought the highest one was what he called self-actualization. And it's when you win. And when your team wins and when you make a lot of money and you get a great house and when you win, that's the highest level. That's the highest need that can be met. And the more they studied it, they realized, no, there's one higher, that it's a life beyond you. And now they call it, this is sociologists, they call it transcendence, that my life now is impacting the life of someone else. God put that emotion. It's already in you. It's, it's like it's already in you. And so it says in, in 2 Corinthians that we are all going to appear before this judgment seat of Christ. Watch this. That each one of us may, may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So now this one is a, it's a works judgment. And again, it doesn't determine your heaven. It determines what your heaven is going to be like. It's a beautiful thing. In fact, Jesus is excited about it, about just rewarding you. In fact, one verse says that he's coming again, praise God for that, and he's bringing his rewards with him. He, he, can't, he can hardly wait to give them to you, which I just absolutely love. And in Matthew 16, it says, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he's going to reward each person according to what they have done. Now, we know that's not salvation because you can't do anything to get it. Are y'all following this, everybody? This is huge. I, I just, I love this. And, and so the answer is, it needs to be some, it's, it's in some version of this. And that is, I took what you gave me, God. I took Austin and I took my, my resources and I took my time and I took my ideas and I took my abilities and I took the, the, the gifts that you gave me that you didn't give anybody else on the planet. Watch this. And I gave my life away. I lived my life in such a way where my life was making a difference. And here's what I want to say to you. That is not just something that like, oh, man, really, that's what I need to do. No, no, no. You've never lived life until you have done it. 
Like, trust me, trust me when I say this, that when you go there, the highest level of human emotion and fulfillment comes on the inside of you. There's nothing like laying your head down at night knowing, hey, today I did something that made a difference. And that's why I honor the, the team around here that serve and you guys are on cameras and guitars and in, listening to screaming kids right now. They're, you know, they're doing their part to do something that makes a difference in this world. I tell our people, our church, we don't need you to be a volunteer and serve at our church because we actually need you. And we do, but that's not the motivation. We want you to do it because it's best for you. That when you're living your life in that kind of a way, watch this, almost everything around you gets smaller. All the problems get smaller. That's why Paul could say, I am hard-pressed on every side, but it's not really bothering me. I'm, 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 I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. Why, Paul? Why? Please tell us. You know, he said, well, how, can, how can you have that? And by the way, he had issues, like real big issues, bigger than ours. Five times he got the 39 lashes that Jesus got once that nearly killed Jesus. Five, Paul got it five times. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. He, he was, he was snake-bitten. He, he was stoned, and I'm not talking like, I'm talking like with rocks, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I said that once, and one lady went, well, at least you got a little relief. Like, no, it, that's not how that happened. <laughs> no, I mean, he, and, 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 but, he, but he called them, watch this, 2 Corinthians, he called them light and momentary troubles. Now, how in the world? How, how in the world? He says, because I have my eyes fixed not on the things that are seen. I have, I have my, my eyes fixed on an unseen thing, this eternity, eternity thing. Uh, and, and I have my eyes fixed there. And, and because my eyes are fixed there, everything else around me seems so much smaller. So I say it's the best way to pastor you is to live your life in such a way where you're making a difference. And I want to encourage you because honestly, I believe in a city of 2 million people and a a lot of people who really need the Jesus that you, we all have, that we need to live our lives with eternity in mind. In fact, if I were to give this, I have really two titles for this message. I'd either call it the two-question test, or I would call it driven by eternity. That I want you to start living your lives in such a way where you're thinking through the lens of, I'm not living here, I'm passing through. I mean, praise God for a beautiful city, but I'm passing through. Heaven, not earth, is my home. Can I get a better amen, somebody? Man, I'm just passing through here. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to talk to you about that. I, I believe Ecclesiastes says that God, he has set every, made everything beautiful in its time. And if you stop right there, that'll mess you up. Because you'll think, my God, look at the lake and look at the boats and look at the blue sky and look at the, look at the, look at the you know, you start looking around and it's beautiful. But he has also set eternity into the human heart. That somewhere deep down inside, you know that this life is not about this life. If I were to summarize this whole message into one sentence, I feel like God brought me here to tell you this, that this life is not about this life. Don't get enamored with it, and also don't get discouraged by it. You're just passing through. Make, make a difference while you're here and get on to heaven. Amen, everybody? Live in that kind of way. So uh, I want to give you just three simple ways that you can do it. And this is the practical side. I kind of gave you the theology side of the message. Let me give you the practical side. I like practical Christianity. I don't want to be inspired. I want to know what to do. So let me give you a few things that will help you know what to do. And, and, I want, and, and it's very simple. Big picture is I want you to start living your life more intentionally. So since that is coming, let's live it, let's live it a bit more intentionally. And I want you to be intentional in three ways. I want you to be intentional about what you give. I want to, I, I, I will say it this way. I will intentionally give what I have. 
And what I mean by get what you have is I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about whatever you have. So if you have, if you're having a good day, then you need to share that good day with somebody else. So if you have a cell phone, you need to text somebody an encouragement. If you have a car, you need to figure out a way to not only let it get you to work, but also leverage it to maybe make a difference in somebody's life. Like we're supposed to take everything we have and leverage it to making a difference for eternity. That's why God, listen to me, that's why God gave it to you. So he provides things for our enjoyment, but not just for our enjoyment. He provides things so that we can leverage them. And honestly, America, we will be held accountable for the fact that we got a lot of the best of the best. I really believe that. To whom much is given, much is required. And we are blessed. We are very blessed. And so we, we leverage, we, get, we just give, we give what we have. As a church, we give what we have. And so God's promise is this. This is a cool verse. And this verse gets abused by a lot of, by a lot of uh, prosperity type teachers. Because the prosperity theology is skewed in the fact that it says you're supposed to be prosperous for prosperity's sake. So you can drive another car. Uh, so you can have another house. So you can do another everything. And no, the Bible says that you will be made rich in every way. So that means he makes you rich in money and ideas and in encouragement and in happiness. He, like, he wants to make you rich on all fronts of your life so that you can be generous on every occasion. And that generosity results in people saying, hey, I want the God you serve. Like, my goodness, I'm going to take that. And so let me give you an example. Uh, one of the things we do, and I encourage churches everywhere I go to do stuff like this. And that is, praise God that we got, had a chance to come to church and enjoy ourselves, but leave here for a week and go on mission to spread the love of Jesus everywhere you go. So you're, some of you guys are going to go out to eat after this service today. Great. But I want you to look at that server through the, dip, the lens of eternity. And I like to imagine that perhaps they're a single mom going, working two jobs trying to make ends meet. And so now it changes. So instead of going, hey, my glass is empty. Where you been? You know what I'm saying? I'm looking through the lens of eternity and saying, what can I do for her, not what she can do for me? Not too long ago. And before you think too much of me, I never get this right. Like I, I, can, I have a gravitational pull to selfishness, and like most people. Uh, I, so, but I try hard. But recently, I, I had one day where I got it right, I think, where we, my family and I, we like, we like to go to P.F. Chang's. We call it Chang's. And so anyway... <laughs> <laughs> and so we were there uh, eating, di uh, uh, and my kids were consuming hundreds of dollars worth of food. You know, there's 11 of us now. But anyway, uh, three of them are married and grandbaby and all of that. But we were, they were con consuming large doses of food. And um, uh, this, our server was frantic. You could tell she wasn't having a good day. You could just like to tell. There's too many tables. You could tell she was upset by something. And so when she came by, I said, are you okay? And she looked at me like, customers don't ask that. And I said, I'm a pastor. And when she gave me that look, I said, look, I'm a pastor. I just, I, is there anything I could pray with you about? And she was like, she doesn't get that question. And I, she, she goes, I can't talk now. And a little tear popped out and she shoved it back in because it was the wrong time, you know. And she, and, and, um, but you could tell it just touched a nerve. Well, my heart went out to her. I, don't, I still don't know what she was going through, but my heart went out to her. So I left what we call in Alabama a honking tip. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Uh, uh, a, 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 an exceptional gratuity for you Austinites, all right? So, um, <laughs> and so I left her like, like a, so much so that she came back and thought I made a mistake kind of a tip. And she like, I said, no, 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 that's, that's for you. And, um, 
And she goes, why? I said, because God loves you. That's all I said to her. I didn't invite her to the church. I just said, because God loves you and you need to know that. And um, I don't know. I don't know what happened to her, honestly. But I remember walking out that day thinking, you know, there's, God's got, let's say, four billion women on the planet. And there was one of his little princesses who just needed, you know, somebody in his church to uh, recognize that and live through the lens of eternity. One of his young, handsome servants of the Most High God. No, just kidding. <laughs> he just needed somebody to be his hands and his feet. But I, I, I think it blessed her, but I remember how I felt too. I, I was kind of like, who else, Lord, would you have me touch today? You know what I'm saying? Like, God put that in there. God put that in there. And I want you to experience it. I want, the, I want the receiving end to experience it, but I want you to experience it too. To live your lives as generously as you can. I mean, give, give, give. Just, I mean, great soil right here at this church, especially at this time of the year where we all focus on doing even more for people who are hurting. And it's like, get, just be as generous as you can. Let me say it this way and I'll move on. You will never miss, you will miss the money that you spend, waste, invest poorly, and give to your brother-in-law. You will miss that money, all right? <laughs> but you will never miss the money that you invest in eternity, ever, ever. You will never miss it. You will never miss it. Here's the second one. And then as I want you to consider serving others, like serving, be a servant. I mean, thank God for a church that has more than one service, because what I like about it is you can worship one, serve one. You can come and say, you know, let me receive, and now let me give. And here's what the people at our church say. We have about one out of every two and a half people in our church are serving in some capacity now. And they all say the service that they serve in, they like more than the service that they receive in. Why? Because they're looking through the lens of eternity. And there's great opportunity here. Your pastor did not ask me to say this. I'm just going to say it. And that is, if you're visiting here and just new here, rest, enjoy, receive. Just really take your time. But if you've been here a while, get on the team. Don't get out of the stands. And look, playing the game is more fun than watching the game. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Get, 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 on, get, get on, the, on, on, on the team one, we call it around here. And there's, show up at the welcome party, which is the first step. Do something. You can get information on the foyer. Like, just tell somebody, how do you get on the team around here? And they'll point you in the right direction. But sir, sir, just live your lives. And Jesus said it again as a motivation for you. Whoever wants to be become great. Isn't that an interesting way to put it? He didn't say, no, look, I told you to serve, so just get out there and serve. No, he didn't. He said, no, if you want to be great, if your life wants to be great, you must become a servant. For whoever wants to be first be, must be a slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I will intentionally serve others. Here's the last one. And that is that, and this may be the most kingdom-minded, most eternity-driven statement I will say all day. And that is, I will intentionally share Christ with others. Like, let your light shine. Austin, listen, look at my eyes and hear this. Lake Travis, look at my eyes and hear this. Austin needs you. So let me say it this way. You're God's plan, and he doesn't have a plan B. <laughs> like, we're it. This is it. We're it. We're it. So let's do it. Let's find the joy of sharing our faith with someone else. For 2 Corinthians says, for we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal to Austin through us. Like we're his plan. And I know it seems a little scary sometimes. 
But all you have to do is develop a relationship with people. They're not looking for a theological argument. They're looking for a friend. And if you can't really share Christ with them, you've never, listen to me, you've never known the joy of church until you've had an unchurched, far from God person sitting next to you in church. So just trust me on that. Just, so when I, I, I'm going everywhere and sharing this message, Pastor Ross, okay? And, and here's my message. Two out of the 52. Two out of the 52 have an unchurched person sitting next to you. Two out of the 52. And here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. You're like, you're going to care that day. Man, I hope they sing the right songs. Man, you know, like, you, you care about everything. I had a lady walk up to me at the beginning of our service just a few weeks ago. She goes, I got my friend here today. Don't blow it. I'm like, I got you, girl. <laughs> I got it. I'm going to be fine. Promise you. It's going to be okay. And she was all nervous about, you know, because you need, you need to have that. And when, and, when, and when somebody says, every head bowed, every eye closed, you don't. You bow your head and you peek. You got one eye open. You're like, because you want to see how your friend's going to respond. And tears come down their face and their hand goes up or they respond in whatever way. You will say that was your favorite service ever at one chapel. Because on that day, you would have been living your lives through the lens of eternity, driven by the fact that we're all going to stand before God one day and we made the most of this life here on this earth. Amen, everybody. Not too long ago, I was on a plane, and I had this business guy sitting next to me. And before he came on, I thought, man, let me go ahead and get a nap posture before he sits there, because he'll talk to me if he does, you know, otherwise. And isn't that really holy? I know. Praise God. And um, so I'm, I'm like asleep, and he elbows me and says, so what do you do for a living? I'm like, so, you know, when you get asked that as a pastor, you got to decide if you're going to lie or not. And so I said, I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he starts bawling, crying like the whole plane can hear it. And he had just buried his best friend in Cincinnati. And I was, we were landing in Boston. I was going to preach for a friend there. And I said, well, Billy, um, the Bible says, he goes, no, 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 don't go there. I said, why not? He goes, I'm Jewish. I said, well, the, well Jesus was a Jew. He goes, all right, go ahead. Like, he did it just like that. I didn't, I'm not making that up. I really, I promise you. And, and um, I said, Billy, well, the Bible says the reason why you're grieving so hard is, is you have no hope. The Bible says Christians grieve, but not like that. I mean, it hurts, but not like that because we have hope. And then he says, well, how do you get the hope? I mean, he teed it up. If you can't hit that, you can't play. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so it's boom, there it was. And so, and I, and I, I just said, well, I said, well the, you know, the Bible says um, that, that Jesus gives us that hope. And I explained the gospel to him and Hey, we're walking out. I didn't even want to close the deal, you know. And we're, we're in the airport now at, at Logan International in Boston. He goes, man, don't leave me till you give me the hope. And I said, bro, you're going to have to confess Jesus as your Lord. He goes, I'm ready. And right there in the middle of that terminal, we, he, Billy from Boston prayed to receive Jesus. And, when he, and he wanted to thank me. Uh, and he, 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 was, he was a famous guy actually in town that didn't know it. Um, he actually was a, was a groomsman in Dennis Eckersley's wedding, the great Hall of Fame relief pitcher. And he goes, can I send, can I, he said, how many boys you got? I said, four. He goes, can I send your boys some hand-signed baseball cards to Dennis Eckersley? I said, that's fine, man. So I handed my, 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 my business card. And sure enough, in the next few days, he sent me four hand-signed baseball cards that I've never given to my boys. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> kind of feels good to get that off my chest in church. I want you all to know that. So. Seriously, I filed three of them. I keep one of them. I keep one of them uh, on my desk every day. And it reminds me, Chris, don't live through the lens of what's good for you. The nap was good for me. Not napping was good for Billy. 
Look at my eyes. Come on up, team, whoever's going to come play with me. Don't, 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 don't look at life through the lens of what's good for you. Come on, church. Don't look through the lens of what's good for you. Let's look through the lens of what's good for others. Amen, everybody? Amen. Let's bow in prayer together. Let me just pray for you. If you're here today and, and um, you just want to respond, you don't, need, you don't need me or the church to make that response, you know, work. It just, you just, I just want to lead you through the process. But if you're here today and maybe you feel far from God and maybe you don't have the hope, maybe just pray a prayer just like this. Say, Jesus, I need you. And today I'm willing to surrender my life completely to you, everything. I need you in my life. So change me, rescue me. Today I call you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for setting me free. And if you prayed that prayer, congratulations. Best, best, best thing you could have ever done in your life. And, for, and let me just pray for the rest of you before I go. And we're going to, Pastor Ross and I are going to rush off to a, another campus and but let me, just, let me just pray for you. God, let, let one chapel always look through the lens of not, what's not, not what's good for us, but what's good for others. Let us, let us be driven by eternity, ready for that day when we stand face to face before you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.